Summer, the best time of year, usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Hello and welcome to another episode of I Weigh with Jamila Jamil, a podcast against shame. I hope you're well and I hope you're ready for an incredibly candid chat between two women who clearly have no media training. And by that, I mean myself and my excellent guest, Jenna Friedman. She is an American stand-up comedian, a writer, a director and a host. You might know her from The Daily Show with Jon Stewart. She's also Oscar nominated. She's extremely talented and funny and she has a very very funny and very, very sharp and fucking ruthless stand-up special called Lady Killer, which is on Peacock at the moment. And she also hosts and directs a true crime series called Indefensible, which she explains to me a little bit about because I'm very, very new to true crime. It's not really my genre because I'm a fucking coward and I don't like to hear about scary shit because I find the world really scary already. Uh, But her take on that is fucking fascinating. Her take on so many things within politics, I think, tends to be some of the most fascinating shit I read. She has no filter (laughs) whatsoever. And in this episode in particular, she has no filter because she's just had a fucking baby. She's like at three weeks into being a mum when we sit down and have this chat. And I can't believe she even showed up, never mind managed to deliver what was an incredibly impressive chat with me. And what makes her, aside from how intense that is a thing to put yourself through, which is showing up and doing something uh, public when you're a few weeks into being a mum, but her take is so fresh because she's someone who never thought she was going to be a mum, never wanted to be a mum, still has uh, sort of <laughs> quite incre- like incredibly frank feelings about being a mum and very, very frank feelings about the right to abortion and what people's expectations should be and how hard shit is for a mum and how really they don't get that much credit. She's just unlike anyone I've, I've really met in this business and I really admire her for coming on and just saying all the shit that was in her, in her fucking exhausted and wonderful, miraculous brain. She's really special. Go and watch her shit. Go find her online, especially on Twitter, where she's giving a kind of live update of being a new mum, specifically hoping that dads will see it so they can know how hard it is and why they shouldn't be legislating and forcing motherhood on people. Um, But for now, please join me in falling in love with the excellent Jenna Friedman. Jenna Bloody Friedman, welcome to OA. How are you? Good. That was such a wonderfully British intro. <laughs> Bloody. How's how, how's life? You've been through some minor changes yeah, very, very recently. Been, yeah, I have um, 
silver cups on my nipples right now. I normally don't open talking about my nipples, but I've been breastfeeding and it really hurts. So I just realized I'm glad that we're not filming that low because I have these like weird... I'm answering your question. I don't know. I don't know what silver kind of like. Are you oh, pumping? Okay. Is it a yes, fashion I'm, statement? Are they, fashion are they cold statement. and they're soothing your nipples? Like what's happening? So when you breastfeed, I didn't realize this until I was like three months pregnant that when you breastfeed, you'd literally do it around the clock or you're mm-hmm. pumping just to try to like keep up your supply or whatever. And it really hurts. So there are all these products and new parents are very susceptible to any product that says it's going to make anything easier because it's so hard. But this is, I'm, I'm not, now I sound like a shill for like this company that I have known, (laughs) (laughs) but there's just like a, it's like a little, it looks almost like a bottle cap and it's silver and it's on my nipple right now. So you asked how I am and I'm like, that's a weird new thing. But wait, why? Just because it it actually has like inflammatory, anti-inflammatory properties. Nice. God, you are a shill for that. I am, but they're not paying me. I know I'm. I've spent 15 years trying to do comedy and now I'm like a breastfeeding influencer. <laughs> I think it's fantastic. Uh, and I, I applaud anyone who opens uh, this podcast talking about their nipples. So welcome. Um, Thank you. Fucking else, you've had a baby. And I mean, I remember I first met you, was it Christmas Day? <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> yeah, Something we... ridiculous. <laughs> um, and uh, we were talking and I feel like at that time you and I were kind of felt similarly about not being sure about children oh You're yeah someone who was didn't... probably pregnant then <laughs> I was like I don't want it <laughs> I still look I I knew I wasn't gonna regret it but yeah no it's it's not anything I ever really wanted and it sounds kind of fucked up to say out loud I don't think that's fucked up to say. And you know what? Most of my friends who have had babies have similar feelings and thoughts. It doesn't mean they don't love their baby. It's just that it's fucking, fucking, fucking hard. And if it's something you didn't like plan your whole life around and hope for every day from, you know, a certain age, then it's a big, big fuck off culture shock, especially for someone who's lived a life as independent as yours, as a stand-up comic, as someone who's traveling, as someone who can pick up and go to locate, go on, you know, location. It's it's so much freedom to suddenly go from that to can't move because human is on nipple all fucking day. It's, yeah, it's weird. Personally, I knew it wasn't something I was going to regret. I'm 39. I could finally afford to do it. My husband really wanted it. My family really wanted it. And I was like, if you can get me pregnant, I'll like, why don't you try? I've never been pregnant before. So <laughs> it's probably not going to happen. And it did. And it's cool. I'm into it. It's a, it's a new experience that I, that is kind of fun um, as tiring as it is, but I also could have just not done it. And I also think that now in this moment, politically, we're, people are being forced into this it's all the more important to really be honest about it when you're in it or just in general because I think that there's a lot of sugarcoating of motherhood 100% what are some of the things um other than nipula uh that you have found to be to have been sugarcoated before I mean I know you haven't had long in motherhood but you did have a fucking long time in pregnancy to also find out new shit about that I imagine yeah, no, I know that you want us to switch topics from the nipple. 
<laughs> no, not at all. No, not at all. I just, I didn't, I didn't I want can't... you to think that I'm obsessed with nipples, you know? So it's... I'm just trying to find a happy balance. I'll go there with you. I'll go to nipple town <laughs> all day, friend. The thought of breastfeeding grossed me out. The thought of nipples, the thought of like mom culture, all of it creeped me out. I, I actively, <laughs> I didn't talk to friends who had just had babies. I didn't want to hear people's birth stories. I didn't like get a doula. I didn't do any of the stuff. I didn't read any of the books. I just was like, la, 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 la. I'm not gonna, I'm just gonna. And so I really went in blind. Um, and to answer your question, the thing that was the most shocking was I had an emergency C-section mm-hmm. and after which the hospital that we were at, it's like a baby friendly hospital. Um, and there's, I don't really know the uh history of it but there are there's a movement among hospitals to be baby friendly meaning the baby goes in the room with the recovering person the mom whatever you want to call them (laughs) during the entire hospital because at first when i heard that i was like fucking hell if people have been having babies in places that don't like babies friendly yeah it's the same it's it's branding it's really bullshit okay but um (laughs) I think that the real reason for this new policy shift is because it is cost cutting. Basically, they they are getting rid of nurseries. So it used to be that like you have your baby, your baby goes to the nursery, the nurses take care of the baby, bring the baby to breastfeed, baby goes back to the nursery so you can sleep. Now the babies are put in your room. So I had a C-section, meaning my entire my fucking uterus was on the operating table also so you got like sort of double fucked because you started off doing sort of og natural birth style yes. followed by a yes. southern c-sex and so you got to do both, both which is quite a big achievement thank you and then one. and then after before you're even remotely recovered they put a baby on, on you right and like in the name of this baby friendly policy where they want mama and baby to bond <laughs> and it just feels very patronizing and not really pro uh, person who just gave birth or pro baby because it's like they say healthy mother healthy baby or whatever they say and I just in our current moment in California which has a really great reputation of child rearing hospital childbirth hospitals that these hospitals exist and that they are becoming the norm and that this policy ostensibly makes recovery easier and it really doesn't or something I'm not explaining it as well as I could be I think you're making it very clear um i i had no idea about any of this like i know nothing i know nothing i know truly just fuck all if there was a way to know minus nothing about motherhood that was that me. would be me yeah that was me and then i had this procedure and then they stick a baby in my i can't sit up i physically couldn't sit up because i just had a c-section and they want me to breastfeed a baby and then the baby stays in your room and you can't actually physically take care of the baby because you can't sit up to help it so you're constantly calling like the nurses to help you but you won't have to if the hospital still had a nursery. It's just oh, really right. Specific. So it was not just very. Like an we need some more slightly parent-friendly, um, parent-friendly hospitals. It sounds like they used to be parent-friendly, but then I think with the privatization of hospitals, they're cutting nurseries and they're doing it under the guise right, of right, being right. baby-friendly. It's pretty insidious. We can talk about murder. We can talk about true crime. No, no, else. I want to talk about. <laughs> no, I actually do really want to talk about. I want to talk about motherhood. I want to talk about. You know, this is a podcast that is about mental health and I think that all of these things I think given fucking hell you recorded your special lady killer which I would love to talk about uh just a few weeks after it was announced that the supreme court were taking away the right to 
um, abortion. And it was a really wild time. It's like you're pregnant and this has happened in the world. And then three weeks later, you're standing on a stage presenting a comedy show. And I've seen that special twice now and it is fucking excellent. And I really appreciate the way that you seamlessly straddle both the subject of motherhood and the subject of, you know, people's rights, people with uteruses rights, women's rights. Like it's just, uh, it's really important. What the fuck was that like standing there pregnant talking about that on stage? Yeah. Thank you for watching that. Being pregnant, you're so vulnerable and disempowered in so many ways, but then you're also kind of powerful in other ways. And I think being on stage with a microphone, talking about abortion and telling jokes. I had one joke, the miscarriage joke, which was kind of an older joke. And it came out of friends having miscarriages and feeling like I wanted to help them. People are so devastated about it, but it's so common when it, and, and we just don't talk about it as a culture. And so when it happens to you, you think you're like broken or something, but everybody miscarries. It's one of the jokes. Everybody miscarries. It's a, that's like a children's book that uh, hasn't been written yet. Everyone <laughs> miscarries, whatever. Um, but it was interesting to tell that joke pregnant because I I've told it not pregnant and people laughed. And then when you're really pregnant, people did not laugh. <laughs> they were no. really creeped out. <laughs> what did they you were- say? You said that you had, um, during the pregnancy named your baby Jeffrey Epstein so that if something happened, uh, that went wrong with the pregnancy, you could say, well, maybe Jeffrey Epstein killed himself. Yes. <laughs> Such a fucked yes. up joke. It's a fucked up joke, but it's not a joke. I had a pregnancy app and I didn't, it was like really soon and I'm 39 and just having so many friends who've had miscarriages. I was like, we are probably going to miscarry. you like, I didn't think the whole pregnancy I was very like I don't know you know who knows that this is going to happen but um I just wanted to I I ascribed to the power of negative thinking just kind of like you know if you have low expectations you'll never be disappointed so we named him Jeffrey Epstein because we just wanted to have no pressure yeah well (laughs) I love that joke but I also um as a you know uh childless selfish um no you're snowflake not, you're no 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 no, no wait like snowflake uh uh you know liberal piece of shit that i am when i talk about uh my abortion or our rights to abortion i get kind of shat on in a way that a pregnant person or a person who's had children who advocates for abortion isn't and so i so appreciate anyone in that position using their voice to be able to advocate for a right to choose because if anything you know better than I do better than anyone who hasn't experienced that this is why I think there's been a big problem with cis men trying to you know being the ones to legislate this predominantly or almost entirely um is that no one who hasn't done it should even really be entering the arena but right now everyone's voice is you know, is needed to try and stop this massive injustice from taking place. But one of the things that you brought up in the special was hugely important was about the fact that 60% of abortions are, uh, you know, you're incredibly flippant uh, in the way that you deliver this, but you talk about the fact that 60% of the people who have abortions are already parents and they just don't have the money or they don't want to do it again, you know, for whatever reason, maybe uh, as you sort of suggest, it's because they know better because yeah, they've done it before. Yeah, one time a mom. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, but that's so important. And, and the, 
the idea that people have in their heads of someone, especially a woman who wants an abortion, is uh, this person who couldn't keep her legs closed, who's using abortion as a form of birth control, <laughs> as if that would ever be the option for anyone. Um, and that we, you know, are heartless, sort of just like career gals. And, and also, by the way, even if that's the case, that's still fine. You should get to choose to do whatever you want with yeah. your fucking life and body. But it's like a real breath of fresh air to to watch someone who's in a position in which they think it's us versus you guys. And for you to I stand mean, with us means a lot. Yeah. It's, um, well, I definitely had the kid to have more credibility because as a woman, Thank you, that <laughs> you was have a huge so little sacrifice. credibility. Yeah. <laughs> but as a mommy, people are like, what does a mommy have to say about this one category? She's Invisible at all other... I was about to say, yeah, that's the only time that that becomes... It's the only uh... time the mummy gets attacked. <laughs> this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now listen, we all carry around different stresses, big, small, medium size, and a lot of us keep them bottled up because sometimes we just have to. But doing that all of the time can really really start to negatively impact your life. And I say that from experience, I'm British. We are told to never say how we're feeling about anything ever. And uh, that's why so many of us are so sad. Now, a way that I was able to remedy that was by having therapy, which was super helpful for me, not only because it's amazing to get things off your chest, but also all week, you know, as you're bottling things up, because it's not always the time or place to say exactly how you feel, you know, you're going to get that hour where you're able to get everything off your chest and say it exactly as you want to. And this therapist isn't going to take it personally and they're not going to hold it against you or throw it back in your face during an argument over dinner next week. You just have this complete freedom. Honestly, I think everyone should have therapy, regardless of whether they think they need it, because it's so amazing to have a confidant. It's a journal that talks back to you and helps you with all of your problems. I think therapy is just a safe space to get everything off your chest to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, then maybe you should give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be super convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and then you can switch therapists if you don't like them anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash iWay today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iWay. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Summer, the best time of year, usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. On a little side note, when you were saying my abortion, I'm like, why don't we say our abortions? We say we're pregnant. We should say our abortions. You know, it takes two. So true. 
Yeah. So his, true. His abortion. We're pregnant. We're having a baby. We're having an abortion. My abortion. No, it's our collective abortion. <laughs> That's the, I think all the, what you were saying about like us versus them, moms versus... Um, Non-mums. No, I love mom moms. I, I still identify. <laughs> I'm like, I'm the dad. I'm not a fucking mom. I never want to be a mom. Um, but I think, I mean, all that is branding. I will say that the right or whatever you want to call them has just really knocked it out of the park with all of the branding pro-life give me a break like all of it you you have a a really strong theory about why it is that they use abortion as their kind of hill to die on would you mind expanding upon that oh the the political reality coming from like the 1970s moral majority stuff yeah so i mean i think what a lot of people don't realize is that abortion our current the current moment that we're in where abortion is really like a galvanizing uh, political strategy emerged out of the uh, right, right-wing political strategists were frustrated in Carter and the Democrats because they were um, threatening to take away their tax-exempt status by because they weren't integrating their uh, private white Christian schools. And so they wanted to get voters on their side and they used abortion really as a wedge issue to get more people on board to really just have more political power so that they could uh do things like continue to segregate their private white christian schools it's really just a political strategy it doesn't have anything to do with um morality no and i think that a lot of us have that suspicion because nothing makes sense as to how we treat immigrants or uh the unhoused I mean, it's genius. Like, pretty much everyone yeah. But it's nice to hear it kind of put succinctly in a way that makes things crystal fucking clear. Which I did before I I haven't slept. <laughs> so, no, it's fine. How it's, so how are you how are you? Like I'm I, okay. we know we know about okay. the nips. How's the brain? Like how are you feeling? This is a lot. It's a lot. The brain is okay. I my husband's been incredible, really incredible. I don't know how people do it. I do have a night nurse at the moment, which is a godsend. She's enable she's allowing me to do this podcast now. Um, but I think when you're in it, it just it crystallizes how crazy it is that our culture and society and our government really put people set women up to fail, women who have children in our country. Um, I, I just, I just don't know how people do it without help or resources or, you know, it's just, it's so hard. It's so hard. I didn't realize like you literally are breastfeeding every two to three hours, day and night. Yeah. If you go that route or you do use formula, which is great. Uh, I'm trying, I'm, I'm going the breast milk route at the moment, but, um, even with formula, you're still having to feed this thing every two to three hours. (laughs) <laughs> this thing this thing he is a thing he's not like he's he's still like you know they're, they're not the the first three months they're not like really people yet they're yeah they can't even see properly right they can't see properly they're just spinning up like the, he's funny unintentionally like it was so hard to breastfeed at first and so painful and i finally was able to do it and i got him to eat even though he's like biting on my nipple and then like he gets up after and he just spits it all up (laughs) (laughs) it's just like so in vain you're like really i just got this thing done and then you just waste it all and then um yeah uh it's extremely rude we've established he's already picking up um 
some white male tendencies. No, it is. And there's the other thing to answer your question about like other things that I've learned. I've never had boobs. I'm not a boob person. No one, mm-hmm. I've never, no one's ever been like, look at her boobs. I'm just, right. I, whatever. That's and like, now, no, that's, that's a case of my ass. Go on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, you know, some people are boob people, whatever. Um, but my parenting style now, anytime he cries, I just stick my boob in his mouth and he's immediately quiet. And it just makes me wonder if that would work with other, with like men as well. Who just, I think so. The best way to get them to just shut up, you know, like if you're <laughs> all of them, I'm like, I wonder if all Tucker Carlson needs is like a boob in his face to just shut the fuck up, you know? Oh, he needs more than that, unfortunately. He needs more than that. Um, I, uh, yeah, like boot up the ass. I don't know. Preferably. This is my new mom humor. Yeah. <laughs> it's not really working. <laughs> Talk to me about the thoughts that you must have as such a vocal and prominent feminist and someone so politically engaged and motivated. I know that you're thinking a lot about what it's going to be like to raise a young man, you know, especially as a very, um, you know, prominent I, in my opinion, prominent feminist voice. What, you know, what were your feelings and thoughts around that? Was there any relief around not having a girl? Cause you know how difficult it is to be a woman in this world or were you yeah. sad? Cause you had things to impart. Were you daunted about what it's going to be like to raise a boy? Or were you excited to see what happens when you raise a boy with the right values, who he turns out to be? Well, I, you just want a healthy kid is really what, what you want. But yeah, I mean, like I work in true crime. So when I found out it wasn't a girl, I was like, okay, I think I'll breathe a sigh of relief. I hate saying that, but I just, Mm -hmm. it seems so scary to raise a girl, girl in our current moment. And then in terms of like raising a boy to be like a good man, I don't know. Like that's, is that is that my responsibility? Like, am I going to get in trouble if he's not? Like, I don't. Our Stephen Stephen Miller's parents they they're from like Southern California. Um, I just that, that's my. So you want him to be healthy, but then you're like, what if you know? What if you do everything right and then he's still a, a piece of shit? And then am I going to get blamed? You know? Oh, like I, well, if yeah, obviously <laughs> you obviously will all blame you and not your husband. Um, yeah, only you just to be very clear. Um, But do you have anything in mind that you want to impart him with? Or, I mean, I know he's only little, but I imagine there was a lot of time. I'm just saying this because I know a lot of my friends who've, who, you know, during their pregnancy, once they knew that they were having a boy, this became something that they were really thinking about of like, what are all the things that I wish the men I knew had known or been raised with? I'm leaning a lot on my husband because he's a really great guy. He's just great. And yeah. so I'm like, I've maybe, very nice. maybe he'll teach him how to be great. <laughs> like, I don't know if like, I don't know. I, I think you just lead by example and you talk to them and you try to make sure they understand what no means and that they're not entitled and that they, uh, you know, you, your goal is what, that, that they leave the world in a better place than they came into it. I don't know. And that they're healthy and happy and kind. I don't know, but I'm not. I probably should read a parenting book or two, but I also, I have no clue. I, I think it's quite there. refreshing that you haven't read up on any of these things and you're not <laughs> you planning don't know for what it. you're doing. No, I do. But the thing is, is that like until the age of information, you know, the age of like this vast amount of information, everyone did it like that. Everyone was kind of, you know, 
following i google like anytime i have a question i'll just google okay so at least you're okay so you're looking to some sort of source you're not just how many randomly guessing about everything okay good he shits all the time he shits like okay i'm going to tell you something i haven't changed his diaper yet Um, in the three weeks since he's been alive I ascribe to the Trump school. I might get in trouble for this, but the Trump school of parenting, just in this one way, not with the incest. Wait, 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 wait. Has anyone changed his diaper? Or do I need to come around? Okay, fine. No, 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 that's fine. That's fine. And also, by the way, yeah, no. My just husband as long as your child hasn't been sitting in his own no, feces for, shit, no, for a month. No, my husband um, is changing the diapers. And amen. I've been, Fucking good know, for you. I love I this. I love this. I will start to change them. I will Why? start to change them. Why? Have you not dealt with enough shit in your life as a woman? Should, <laughs> should that not only be... I think that is a man's job. I, mean, I think well, that, that is a man's yeah. job. And I think it shouldn't just be your husband. I think it should be every man he knows. Yes. I think they should, as a community, just deal with all of, the, all of the shit. We have enough shit to deal with. I Why know. do we have to walk home with keys between our fingers? Like, no, yeah. no parking lots are fucking terrifying. I yes. never, I never really understood because I've always been a cab person. But, you know, now that I you know, go places with my boyfriend, I walk through and I'm like, oh my God, this is why I don't drive. I could never fucking I'm walk through here you are. We have to drive out by here. myself. This is but ridiculous. I'm the same way you are. I know. But also keys, but also like that noisemaker thing. Oh yeah, like no, got the rape mace, alarm and rape, just like... Lady claw. Just, just every, everything that is offensive about, that is forced yeah. upon us about like the ways in which we just have to kind of get through the day. I mean, it's fucking amazing that when I get into bed at night, you know, the, one of the first thoughts I have is like, oh, that was good. Another day. Another not day. assaulted, not, um, not murdered, still here. Maybe you need to wear the ski mask when you walk it, home I, alone I think <laughs> so, so. That you look like the rapist so that the rapist isn't going to come after you well no I mean I've said this on this podcast before but in case anyone's not heard it and in case anyone hasn't heard it you know I run always home um and I pretend I'm already being chased so <laughs> yeah. that if a man sees me he'll think ah someone's already got that one and then he'll leave yeah. me alone so yeah. I uh so I you know I have to do that obviously on very short roads otherwise it's a quick giveaway that I'm you know just running from a ghost or something That's but great. but I do that yeah but it is it's I I if I had had a child because there was a, a short while in which I was entertaining the idea at the beginning of my relationship you still um, can I but I won't <laughs> um but you know, there was a short period where I think I was still in that phase of like, well, that's what you do. And you meet someone, you fall in love and that's what you do. And that's what you have to do. Um, because otherwise all your friends will go off and have babies and then they'll be busy with their babies. And then you two won't have anyone to talk to. <laughs> but, um, uh, around that time I'd made the decision that if I did do it, cause I was the member of my relationship that wanted it less. So I was like, you'll deal with all of the disgusting things. I'll never see poo. I won't know of it. I won't smell it. As far as I'll be concerned, my baby won't even have an asshole. So I'm, I am in strong support of you and your diaper averseness. I, I don't see why you should have to ever, I don't see why you should, if you've got someone like at home who's willing to deal with it, you did the I whole know. pregnancy. Why should you ever, ever have I to know. clean a shitty diaper? No, I know. It's kind of a game at this point and he hasn't asked me to do it. So I'm like, how long can I I don't think he should ever ask you. Did did he have constipation for 10 months? No. Yeah, I wasn't constipated, but I did have, I mean... I did have really bad acid reflux. I there you go. Tomatoes. Well, they are t- terrible. Tomatoes are fantastic. <laughs> tomatoes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, I I enjoy. I really. I'm really enjoying your approach. I've ne- I haven't seen anything quite like it. It's like the 70s. He's going to get taken away from me. <laughs> They're like, why is she allowed to have a kid? Not at all. Not I just at all. Don't have maternal instincts. I really. I could have so easily not had a. I mean, I just really. I, I'm so agnostic about it. And I feel like a traitor, honestly, because I feel like <laughs> I was like, I love like, you know, single women. Like I lived in New York for like a decade. I feel like my, like, I, I don't want to say spirit animal because it's probably problematic at this point. Yeah. But um, I just, I, I am, that is my vibe, you know? And I just feel like this is so off brand. Having a kid is just like, wait, what that happened? I did that, you know? And I think, I don't know. So I'm well, sorry. it's funny you say that because if anything, like you, you must have some sort of surplus of maternal instinct, not as in like to say that, I mean, I'm not in any way trying to gaslight you out of your own thoughts or feelings, but I'm just saying that you are relying almost entirely on instinct to do all of this because you have no information. <laughs> so uh, the baby's still alive and you seem happy and you look happy and you're enjoying it, which is a matters. huge surprise. <laughs> I look happy. <laughs> no, you do. You look happy and, and you, you know, you said yourself, like you're enjoying it, you're into it. So I think you could give yourself a little bit more credit. Look at me giving a coaching session to a mom. Thank you. Miss like I mean I'm in LA. Hates children in 2022. <laughs> Summer, the best time of year, usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Look, I'm very glad that you are. I mean, I, I re, I'm actually desperately trying to check check in with you now, like sort of once a month, like, like a ten minute. How's it going with yeah. Jenna? Um, but I think I think you're going to be fine. Listen, your instincts have gotten you an amazing fucking career, an amazing life, and somehow in this terrible, scary world, you're still alive. So I feel like we can trust your instincts more than Honestly, you. Honestly, any woman who's alive. This feels ableist, <laughs> but if we're still alive past like 35, it's mm-hmm. like slow clap. <laughs> you uh, honestly, it. honestly, you did it. You so, dodged all the, anyway. Talk to me about your true crime kind of alt, what was I going to say? Talk to me about your uh, life moonlighting as a sort of true, a true crime detective. Sure. We actually developed the show during the pandemic and I really love it. It's um, It's not... It's it's under the banner of true crime, but it's really not true crime mm-hmm. in the sense of what we know to be true crime. My, it's it's you're using true crime almost as like a Trojan horse to bring in like white women, you know, to bring in like the demographic that just snorts true crime um, to kind of engage them on uh, structural issues and inequalities. It's sort and of so, the truth about crime rather than true crime, isn't it? The truth what you're about doing. the criminal yeah. legal system. Mm-hmm. And people, so like, you know, it's kind of like, 
Yeah, it's the, I don't want to say it's like, you know, murder is like pornographic in a sense, but it is for a lot of women. We, you know, we watch true crime. And so it's just getting that demographic to think about the stuff that they're watching. Can and I like ask a, something? Yeah. Why do you think it is so appealing? I, I don't watch any sort of true crime because I, uh, I am... Um, um, become absolutely certain that it's going to happen to me that day. Uh, as soon as I, as soon as I've seen something, and I become, you know, like, but I'm, I'm like this with everything. So, um, if I hear like anything banging above my head, my first, and I am 36, just to be clear, my first thought, and the thing that I say out loud is, Jumanji is happening. Uh, and that is something that I'm not saying to be funny. That's the thing that I'm sure is happening. And it's the only possible reason for someone, um, for so- something to make noise above my head, even though uh, there's a whole floor of people who live above me. So it's probably them. But in my head, it's the exact uh, tiger or elephant from Jumanji. So I can't, yeah. my, my imagination runs wild. I can't imagine why anyone would enjoy the anxiety of reading about or hearing about this really heinous shit, but I'm, but I don't mean in a judgmental way. I'm genuinely curious. Is it so you can get tips so you can know yeah, what to I think avoid? It's twofold. I think it's a little bit that so that right. you can study what people did wrong so it doesn't happen to you or whatever, or you think you can think it won't happen to you. I also think there's this kind of it's like a vicar- it's like a vicarious like. Well, I'm watching this safe. I'm safe. And this person isn't safe, but it's kind of like a voyeuristic, vicarious murder porn thing going on. But I don't know. I mean, I think, yeah, it is weird uh, how many women watch true crime. But I, I don't know. So I, but... There's a sort of cliche joke where men think that women are sort of picking up tips, planning on murdering them. No, that's only Piers Morgan. I don't think... (laughs) (laughs) I don't think... No, I mean, I think we, we all, as you were saying earlier, when you're walking to in, like when you're in a parking lot and you have to walk with your keys between your knuckles or whatever, or you have to pretend someone else is already chasing you. I think being a woman is, it's really, it's just scary. It's like a horror movie in and of itself all the time and all the different scenarios we can find ourselves in just walking home alone at night. Um, going on a date, all the things, you know, being pregnant in a hospital, like every, every aspect of our lives or trying to not get pregnant in a red state, like, or whatever, every aspect of our lives is kind of terrifying. And so just studying up on, on the worst case scenario that happens to people could kind of maybe either, uh, maybe there's a calming quality to it, but I, I, so I take issue with true crime for a lot of, I mean, there are a lot of things about it that I don't like. So when we set out to do this show, I was like, you know, I want to make sure that we get consent from the families that we talk to. I want to make sure that we don't show, we don't get into like the gratuitous details of the murder elements. Like we're not showing crime scene photos. We're not delving into that. The first act of the show is the crime. It's slower than the rest of the show. It's it's the thing that brings in people mm-hmm. who watch Law and Order or who like true crime. And then acts two, three, and four, we just kind of get more into like this larger issue at hand. And that's where the... I don't want to say comedy, but levity comes from because once you kind of take it off like the harrowing reality and make it more about the issues that enabled that injustice, then you can have fun with it. And my favorite part of the show is like the third or fourth act where we try to find like the person who, I don't want to say that one person's ever responsible, but 
the holding someone's feet to the fire, the defense attorney who enabled somebody to get away with murder by claiming that um, his client thought that this woman choked on his dick or something. Like, we talked to that guy and we fuck with him. Or like the expert witness who got a guy off uh, of murder charges by saying that the wife was a naggy Jap who drove her husband to kill her. <sighs> I talked to that guy and I messed with him. And so the comedy actually... You leave with my goal is for twofold one for people to leave with a, an understanding of the system so that if they ever are on a jury, they understand kind of the theatrics of it. And the thing I didn't realize before I started getting into this world is that criminal proceedings are theater with they're It's literally theater, like down to defense attorneys and prosecutors, what they wear, they bring props like there. There are so many elements that are theatrics. And you think that it's about justice, but it's really about theater. So educating people who could be on a jury as to what the U.S. criminal justice system is. And then the other element, and it's not all about like men who kill women, but I just, and this comes from like my daily show background, like the idea of like a catharsis or like just holding the people accountable, like just giving them a little bit of shit in a comedic way. It feels, you. I, I want people to leave instead of feeling the doom and gloom actually kind of feeling a little bit of like a catharsis. Well, it is also quite empowering when you can, like, you know, if the moment's right, find the ridiculous in in terrible, tragic, you know, oppression or any of these things, especially if you yourself are someone who's on the receiving end of that oppression. I think it's important because making something feel ridiculous, I mean, it's something that I use a lot in my advocacy, is that if we can make something feel ridiculous rather than scary and impossible to defeat then it it makes that thing smaller to us and more manageable and it makes it feel us like us feel armed with logic and and less uh, intimidation does that make sense and so i actually yeah. really enjoy you know the the right amount of humor being used sometimes to point out how abs- absurd and obscene something is so you feel like you're fighting a clown rather than a terrifying ogre and also, yeah. And also, I mean, because it's true crime and there are real families, that was the biggest challenge. But mm-hmm. I always cite episode two from season one, um, where you, so the long or the short version of the story is this woman was killed and her killer got away with it because the defense attorney said that, that the killer thought this woman choked on his dick. And um, he stayed with the body for two days or three days. Like He, in my mind, 100% murdered her. But um, his defense attorney basically slut-shamed this woman. Um, and the jury... Uh, oh, sorry, I don't understand. I don't it's understand. A, they use this thing called the rough sex defense, which has been outlawed mm-hmm. in the UK. Um, no one consents to die. There's no way that you can suffocate on a dick. It's not, we talked to a medical examiner in the episode. It's not physically possible. Because well, um, your nostrils are not well, plugged. Because, because it takes like five minutes to kill someone that way. And she would have been struggling and there might not even have been a sex act involved. This mm-hmm. guy basically just killed a woman, his attorney, and we get into the details of it in the episode, but his attorney did. So what are you going to not bite down if you're dying? Come on. All of that. And the, and the attorney, it also was like, we're covering the story that has been a punchline in the media. 
the victim's family is already shell-shocked. The victim's granddaughter actually talked to us, and I was so nervous about talking to her because she's been through so much. And so the power of that episode was that we took her grandmother's story and we reframed it for her, and she got in touch with our team afterwards, and she thanked us for being able to, like, take this horrifying injustice and then the injustice on top of it. So her grandmother's literally murdered, and then the killer gets away with it, and then because of the way that the defense went, it became this media story where everybody's like, oh, my God, this guy, this woman choked on this guy's dick, blah, blah, blah. So she's like the family's re-traumatized on top of being murdered. She's also being slut shamed after death. It's like the most infuriating, horrible story to be able to cover that story from a feminist perspective and retell it and let the granddaughter say what she had to say. I mean, that is very it is empowering, but it's also I mean, the sad thing is it's on AMC Plus and not a lot of people see it, but the rough sex defense doesn't have to exist. And if we actually could show people, like, not this episode, we just, like, get people aware of this defense, we could possibly do what they did in the UK and ban it, ban mm-hmm. the rough sex defense. It's also called a consent defense. Um but yeah, I mean, like a lot of the stories that we pick are really infuriating cases of injustice. And so, yeah, it's not, it's not, the comedy isn't like making light of things no. as much as it is just like, it's like righteous indignation. Well, yeah. I think that's kind of in line with uh, the, all of the work that you've been doing, you know, from before the Daily Show, <laughs> since the Daily Show, like, you know, and I think there's a lot of hope for advocacy in that there's a through line of that hope for advocacy that comes through all of your work where I don't think you say anything that you don't have an intention of hoping to be a part of changing that thing that you're making fun of if people see it (laughs) if people (laughs) see it we try yeah well I want everyone to go and watch Lady Killer and I want everyone to also pay attention to Indefensible that's the we're calling it a true crime series technically but we've established that's not exactly what it is it's more a truth about the criminal system series and I, I wonder if there's anything and you can just say no to the answer of this but is there anything any message you have to new mums out there if you could say Help. anything, yeah. <laughs> it's just so Am rare I... you ever, it's just so rare. Like I never get to speak to someone this, uh, like no. raw. I yeah, mean, you know, I would be like, breastfeeding is... him right now if we had done it at a different time. And I Which would, by the way, crying. you absolutely would have been allowed to do, you know, we are, we are, um, all just sort of shoulders up. I think I just want men to know. I want men to know this shit. I don't want women to have to be burdened with anything else, whether you want a kid, whether you don't want a kid, whether you can have a kid, whether you can't, whatever. Women, we're already exhausted. I just want men, like the reason I'm even talking about this shit (laughs) and the reason I've been like tweeting about this, like I don't, I just want men to know what they're voting on, like what they're, what they're, like that's all I care about. I just want to educate men to know that this shit is hard, that it should not be mandatory that they should support women's health as if like it's you know there's like this it's not even a joke but it's like how do you get men to give a shit about abortion you have to kind of make it um resonate with them it's like you know the the daughter your mistress will be forced to have might someday need an abortion too <laughs> like just getting men to care <laughs> care about this shit because it's not you know it's it shouldn't be on us it's not a miracle it's like this is science it's how this shit sometimes you do it or you don't do it but it you can't just be on the women it has to be on the system and the men to, to help because it's fucking crazy 
damn fucking straight then that is a greater answer than I could ever have hoped for before you go finally uh will you tell me please Jenna Friedman what do you weigh I weigh I weigh uh my family and my friends and you know um my uh, community people like you who are disseminating valuable information i've been listening to other episodes of your podcast which i'm talking about right now um anyone voting uh to make lives of over half the population less hard i weigh i weigh those people that's fantastic uh you're a fucking warrior mate and and i support you all the way and lots of love and call anytime and don't ever change a fucking diaper all right promise me now <laughs> zoom yeah, pinky promise me all right sure. yeah i know i'm gonna get him taken that's away. it okay <laughs> we've had no 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 our cup of shit runneth over uh-huh. <laughs> and on that note goodbye goodbye Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I Weigh with Jamila Jamil is produced and researched by myself, Jamila Jamil, Aaron Finnegan, and Kimmy Gregory. It is edited by Andrew Carson, and the beautiful music you are hearing now is made by my boyfriend, James Blake. If you haven't already, please rate, review, and subscribe to the show. It's a great way to show your support. We also have a bonus series exclusively on Stitcher Premium called Ask Jamila Anything. Check it out. You can get a free month of Stitcher Premium by going to stitcher.com forward slash premium and using the promo code iWeigh. Lastly, over at iWeigh, we would love to hear from you and share what you weigh at the end of this podcast. You can leave us a voicemail at 1-818-660-5543 or email us what you weigh at iWeighPodcast at gmail.com. And now... We would love to pass the mic to one of our fabulous listeners. I weigh my relationship with my husband and my family and my friends. I weigh my perseverance and my resilience uh, through some really tough times. I weigh the children that I teach and the knowledge that they're getting from me and from the world around them and helping them make sense of it all. At Delta, we know Mike NHC prefers reality TV to reality. So we provide more than 1,000 hours of in-flight entertainment. On the next flight, 8C is Mandy, a foodie. So we offer all types of food options. Because at Delta, everyone flies their own way. Delta, keep climbing. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.